Okay, we got a lot probably to cover, having been gone for like three weeks. Um, so it's good to see you all again. Colleen, I was just hearing about your um, road trip from hell, so I'm glad yep. you made it back. Thanks. <laughs> Me too. Sean, how was your break? Yeah, it was good. So I got a, I got an update. So I know that Colleen's kids listen to this podcast, so I <laughs> I always have these updates where I'm like, what would Colleen's kids like to hear about? <laughs> so, you know, whenever I'm talking about, like, almost peeing my pants at the airport or whatever, like, we know who the audience is. Uh, so, anyway, my update for this week is I unlocked the Apex Predator tag in Battlefield 2042, which means I got 42 kills in one round. Against a bunch of teenagers that are way better at this game than me. <laughs> that, I have no context for that, but it sounds like a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Uh, I don't even know. What did you say? Battlefield 2042. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a first-person first shooter. shooter thing. Oh, yeah, a couple of years ago, I was like, I have always been terrible at first-person shooters. Always terrible. And... I realized this is because I never put any time into one. So I was like, I needed desperately a hobby that I could take way too seriously to like blow off that energy. Mm -hmm. I have that energy, right? Like I need to blow that off. So that way I'm not, you know, bringing that everywhere else I go. So I'm like, okay, what's it going to be? So I picked at that time, it was the star Wars one. It was like battlefront two. So I just really got into that. I completely sucked. It was ridiculous. I couldn't even get like one elimination per round. And then after like two years of that being like my my like game that I played when I would go play, I was able to get to where I'm like most of the time I was number one or number two out of the 40 people playing the match. And uh and so then Battlefield is a more serious game. And so that game, again, I was kind of like midfield when I first started. And then I kind of figured out how it goes and then decided to see what I could do. So then, yeah, I got this this Apex Predator tag. So now when I, when I sign up my little player card, it says Apex Predator on it. So everybody knows I'm like real good. So yeah. all the 12-year-olds are super intimidated by you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're Does your son play? Better than me. Yeah, so he plays... Um, that game he doesn't play. That one's just like too directly violent, if that makes sense. Uh, Battlefront 2, yeah, he used to play that with me. That was like one of the first games he ever played, actually. Because <laughs> I was playing it all the time, and he would come down, and I would be like, yeah, it's Star Wars. I'm just like blowing up robots, like whatever. He watches Star Wars, so we would do that, and he would try and play it. And he's uh, he still likes that game a lot. He could be way better than me at this point. Like, like he prop like, give him a year, if I... If I let him play, you know, Battlefield or whatever, like as much as he would like, he would be better than me in like a year at this point, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly the kind of thing you hope to do over a Christmas break. So that sounds like a big win. Yes, I achieved one blow off thing. So that was nice. And then you, you achieved did? a bunch of you, you achieved a bunch of other stuff too, though. You like did a million things around the house, didn't you? Yeah. Well, okay. So I mean, so actually, there's a ton of work stuff that I got done. So there was like, so I ended my week at work with 
a very important time sensitive project that had to be finished. So I spent like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday working 15 hour days and Mm. then went into that weekend where we were getting set up for our customer. Oh yeah. Are we allowed to say his, his name? Yeah. Okay. Neil. Yeah. So we're getting set up for Neil on Monday. Uh, and I'm like, okay, we got to get this build thing working. So then that turned out (laughs) to just, just be a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. for a million reasons, but in the end, like again, f- so just stacking on the 15 hour days on Saturday and Sunday, and then on Monday again, and then, uh, finally in the last hour, was it Monday night? We, uh, we discovered, or I discovered that it's like going to be impossible for me to use the like built in view cli setup. Like, cause that's my shortcut for this stuff is you choose the library, like in react, it's the same thing. There's create react, uh, app and then there's, and it's, you choose those things that way you don't have to understand how to make a bundle for npm or whatever <laughs> and then you just run their script and like at the last hour i realized like it's never going to work because it doesn't support the type of module system that we need to have so because it's view 2 and view 2 and view 3 are this whole in between state and it's just like so like a lot of the view 2 stuff is not getting updated anyway so i'm like rip it out replace the whole thing with roll up Got it done at like midnight. Aaron and I are both working on this together. We got it done. We're ready to go for Tuesday morning. And then and then our buddy Neil rescheduled, which <laughs> Yeah, so Neil Neil DM'd me Tuesday morning and was like, Hey, bad news, I'm sick. Can we push it? And I was oh my like, goodness. Yeah, we can. <laughs> it's totally uh, it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Totally he was fine. nice. He was like, I'm not hey, angry at we- him at all. Can we push it or does that mess up your timeline? Man, (laughs) let me tell you about our timeline. (laughs) So he is super nice about it. Um, But we got him rescheduled. So uh, Thursday morning, we're going to onboard client number one again. Thursday this week. This week. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah, I, I actually did a bunch of work in his, uh, he gave me access to his repo ahead of time. And so I did a bunch of work leading up to it, um, getting it installed and configured, which is how I ran into a bunch of these issues. So I got a bunch of the low hanging fruit issues out of the way. Um, so those were the things that Sean and I were working on. The ones that were just like, Hey, this doesn't even load the page. We need to fix this. Um, and now we can run into the issues that are actually app issues and not, you know, build or bundle or whatever. So, right. Yeah. And I also spent some time with, um, cause honestly I left that whole situation feeling not confident in like my skill set around building, doing the bundles. I was like, Oh my God. All right. This is ridiculous. Like I, we were in the weeds, like with this stuff, like we were deep in the weeds. Uh, and, which was frustrating because again, it's like, why on earth do I need to know <laughs> anything about this? You know, but so I'm in the weeds and I ended up having to do my own custom, you know, roll up thing. And, you know, I got it to work real fast. So I kind of was like, all right, I think I've figured out how this stuff works ish. And then, but I still wasn't feeling very confident. So I hired a guy who has a whole bunch of view packages out there to like, just go through it with me. And, in conclusion, what the pain that I went through is essentially the pain that every package distributor goes through. And you just like Google and copy paste from Stack Overflow and like 
continuously like read through docs and like make tweaks until you get it to work and then you never touch it again. And that's basically how it goes. Even for somebody with, I don't know, he's got like a dozen different packages out there. So there's probably somebody who's like bothered to become an expert in, you know, building bundles or whatever. Um, that's what he was saying. He's like, probably there's somebody, but like, yeah, dude, like you're, you're doing what everybody else is doing. So we are at industry best practices standards is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> it, it, I remember trying to do this for, I think the torchlight JavaScript client or something. And it's just a nightmare. There's, there are no definitive answers and if there are definitive answers, they're six months old, which means they're 10 years old. So it just nothing works. It was really frustrating. Yeah. And then it's, it's also like, I, I need to also have making our thing more complicated is it's like, I, I need to be able to run it in development. So it's not mm-hmm. just a library. I'm not just building a, a library. There's all the other kind of stuff that comes along with it, which is what we lost when we ejected from view Cly, which also, by the way, they do not have a way for you to just eject from it. <laughs> there's all this, there's all these threads where they're like, nah, you shouldn't ever need to eject from view Like we got all the ways that you can like override everything. You should never have to, if you're ejecting, you're doing something wrong. I'm like, I, <laughs> and here we are. And we're in, we're, it's, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit frustrating that that's the attitude. Cause it's like, here we are, like we're moving from view two to view three and like things are broken in this, uh, you know, view to client package that they offer. And I can't eject, like, I can't just get the web pack that they have. So, I mean, I, cause that's what you would want. If you basically, the way I eject was I like install uninstalled the packages and like deleted the config files that they, that I'd set up individually and then had to completely redo the entire thing from scratch with, with roll up. Yeah. Sounds rough. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But hey, I have this whole new skill. I'm totally going to apply it at work too cuz, you know, we need we need a little bit of love over there on our distribution or like our package size. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the status now? So, I mean, you guys crushed it, right? You're ready to It works. It's integrated. Yeah. Uh yeah, we can you know, make changes and deploy stuff. Like we kind of have a little bit of a janky deploy process right now. I did not get around with Jeff, the guy I was working with to doing the semantic versioning thing. There's a whole system where you can like set up deploys. So that way in your comment, you basically annotate it with the info for the deploy and then you push it and then GitHub actions just do everything for you. So we'll, we'll want to do that. But for now we just, manually add a tag and then run the github action it's not not really a big deal um but yeah as far as i as far as i'm aware like right now everything is integrated and it's like a functioning product ready to go for neil and we'll be ready to make changes like as soon as they come up and start actually like working with a customer just awesome. awesome yeah that's super exciting yeah yeah it's gonna be great so we'll meet with him on Thursday morning before he's in the UK, fortunately. So okay. we can meet Sean and I will meet with him at seven before our regular jobs, but like right in the middle of his work day. So that'll work perfect. Um, 
So yeah, we'll hopefully get him all integrated. And then I have a meeting that same day, actually, over lunch. I have a meeting with um, a guy who owns a Laravel agency. And he DM'd me on Twitter and was like, hey, can I see a demo of Refine? And I said, yes, you can. I will figure out how to do that. Um, So I'm going to give him a demo on Thursday. And hopefully, I don't, I mean, he may have an immediate need for it, but either way, he's the head of an agency. So he'll have a need for it at some point. Right. Um, So that'll be good. So Thursday's a big day for us. Awesome. That's super exciting. And I spent some time, I spent some time over the break um, working on our Nova integration. And uh, Nova is a um, admin panel from Laravel. It's the first party one. Um, So I spent some time over the break working on that. And I've got it to a place where it's almost, it's almost ready to release. I mean, and I was telling Sean over the break, we should have started this is all hindsight bias. We should have started with Nova because it's so constrained. Mm. It's like, it's the same. Nova is the same on every Nova installation, more or less. They don't even support mobile. Like Nova, if you're using Nova, it's an admin panel. There's no mobile styles for it. Um, It's very constrained. It's not, you know, with, with the one with the view package that we're doing, we don't really know what people are going to need from it in in terms of styles and setup and everything. Um, Right. But as I was working with Nova, getting it integrated into Nova, I was realizing how many things I didn't have to think about. Like I, all I have to do is match the styles of Nova and then I match all the Nova apps that are out there. Um, And so it's been really great. So hopefully Hopefully I'll get it to the point in the next, I don't know, week or two where we can, I can reach out to some Nova people um, and see if they want to give it a, a beta try. Um, so we had a, a blocker on that, which was the way Nova works. It ends up importing two versions of Vue uh, mm-hmm. with the way we use our package, which by the way, the way, I mean, the way we're using the packages and our view and our package is totally normal and fine. It is the way that, front end packages are distributed with Nova. That is a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, we have to do some work to get around that. So I've with Jeff, we came up with a way to get around it. Um, and we should pull this into our budgeting conversation after the call. Um, but we have, there's probably, there's a way for us to actually use view. So here's the deal. Like right now we could remove our importing, our calls to import view from the package. Aaron already discovered this. If you remove it all together, it'll work. So we can remove it because there are, um, I'm using the composition API. And so because I'm using the composition API, there are equivalents to the functions that I'm using in that package. Um, so we can replace them with those. The issue is as soon as view three comes out, then we'll have to, fix the view multiple view problem then so that'll come up and then also as soon as view three comes out like nova will work differently so we'll have this whole other thing to figure out probably um so 
I think that we could come up with a more robust solution. Like Jeff and I kind of came up with one. It was mostly his idea. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I think we want to do that. But in the meantime, I think you should just rip it out, man. Like you already did it. If you mm-hmm. want to just rip it out that way. Cause I think that's the blocker on Nova right now. Right. Yeah. Um, it is. And it is not because I already ripped it out. So there's, so what I did was I basically ejected from our package. I took, you know, I went to GitHub and copied everything and then deleted all the renderless stuff, all the other stuff. So I just got down just to the components that I needed and then replaced those couple of calls to import view. Um, And then just like the date picker, for example, I just went in and edited the date picker to use Nova's um, default date picker. So it is right now, and I don't think this is the solution in the long term, but it, it is right now a completely standalone package independent from our view two package. Just so happens it's mostly a copy paste of our view two package. Um, but at this point it is completely independent shipped independently. This, and this is one of the ways that Nova is great is we don't actually have to publish an NPM package for Nova all we do is we publish the PHP package and it'll bring down all of the um, front end assets with it. So it's kind of, we get to sidestep that problem just a little bit. So yeah, I don't think this is right long-term because we're duplicating a lot of stuff, um, but it's so easy for now. (laughs) What you described as, oh good, we get to work around this because it doesn't have to be built for NPM is the mm-hmm. reason why we have the problem to begin with, with the multiple views. <laughs> so. Well, it's still, yeah, it still needs to be, um, it still gets web packed. And so if I were to just, if I were to leave the old import view statements in there, we'd end up with the same issue um, because the yes. the resource itself gets web packed. So yes. um, I still have to work around the issue, but I did and it's fixed and it's, it works. So hopefully I'll finish that and then I'll have you and Jeff. I mean, all three of us can take a look at it and see if, you know, see if there's anything we want to bring over from the Nova version or change or just ship it and deal with it later, which is kind of what I'm thinking, but we can decide that later. Yeah. And Jeff's perfect for that because he's both Laravel and view person. Exactly. Yeah. And he's done some Nova stuff. So, and Nova stuff. Although, he hates working with the front end stuff in Nova. So can't, it's uh can't blame him. It, so it is very um, streamlined in that there are a couple ways to do things and only a couple ways to do things. So if you're, if you're right down the middle of what they expect you to be doing, I feel like it's really easy. And if not, it's pretty hard. Which is, I mean, you kind of expect that with an admin panel. Like, you can't do everything, but the things that make sense for their business case, you can do really easily, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah, so then the other thing, I'm so excited that we're going to have customers now because, like, we got a list of stuff that we could work on, but absolutely no data to tell us how or what we should work on and why and what's our priorities. So that's very exciting to me (laughs) that we'll Mm -hmm. 
have some actual input. Like for example, theming, should we do that? I, I know exactly what I'm going to do and we're going to do it eventually for sure. But like, should that be first? I don't know. I got like a kind of a punch list of stuff like that where it's like, should we do it? And then that's also real important too, because I'm realizing that more and more now we have to coordinate between the three of us more and more because as we make, as we decide to make changes on our end to either view or um, the view front end or the back end that it's going to impact Colleen on either the hotwire side or the rail side. So we have to, you know, sort that out. And, you know, then there's also other things like if we allow people to do a theming system, then it'd be nice if it was kind of the same and like how we do it in like the react and view and hotwire and live wire versions. So it adds complexity, you know, like it, it, it at least adds complexity in the thought process behind like, how do we design new features so that it makes sense in all the different places that we're doing it um, or fork and like have different features elsewhere. Either way, it just adds complexity. So we got to, I've been feeling that like we need to sync up more on, um, especially as we have customers and get that feedback loop. Yeah. Well, even I, I changed the blueprint to allow for these saved filters to go through. So even stuff like that, like we should have continuity between each back end and front end so we can hook them together in any configuration we want. So what I changed shouldn't impact anything that you guys are doing, but I don't know that I communicated to you guys that I was going to do that. Right. We have, we have integration risk like across all the platforms. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I'm changing a lot because of these kind of like, I don't want to say special requirements, but more in-depth requirements. So I think you're absolutely right. Like it's important that we all stay in sync on this stuff. Yeah. And then decide also like maybe the way we do it is we have like the official canonical, you know, maybe it's time to get the code out into a gem and then that one stays in sync with us and then can fork it for the client and they can have their own or they could have it completely baked into bullet train or whatever they want to do you know maybe it's like time to just like split it and they just they own that ip it's basically the same i don't know that would also be up to them like if they want to you know have their own cost completely custom thing they probably want to just do that i bet um i just pay us forever to customize it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't think we're i still have yeah, I think that's a good a good plan. I don't think we're ready to do that yet on the Rails side, even though I did pull that one section out um, for Jesse. So we need to mm-hmm. think about that, actually, because we're going to start diverging in terms of what he's working on. And I need to check back in with him now that the holidays are over to see how that's going. But but I'm we're going to start diverging from what that is. So we do need a ground source of truth that we can reference. I think that makes sense. Yes. And I also want you and me to start working towards getting actual Rails license customers. I have people who are randomly asking me for it. So we need to... Um, it's the great. problem, it, it's good. I, I think I am concerned of now, you know, drinking the Aaron Kool-Aid here. And yes. I'm concerned I don't know. Maybe about, this is bad. I take back, <laughs> like, my, what is I the take back my celebration. It's, <laughs> Colleen, it's good enough. That so, But I'm now mm-hmm. concerned that we are staking our reputation on having... That's too much anxiety over our reputation. Um, well, I feel I feel that in my bones, Colleen. <laughs> I support I you. I mean, that is what's setting us apart. 
from everyone throwing their MVP out there, right? So I do have a couple people. I think that's who have, imaginary. It might be. You you might be right. Um, I want to let's yeah. I want to see how it's going with Jesse because they had some really unique. Um, yeah, they did. Concern, like not concerns, isn't the right word. They have a really unique setup, so yeah. they have to do a lot of customizing. And I need to check in with them to see if the information I gave them is enough to move forward there. I really think we need to get, I just, the hot wire. I think that the way it's integrated now with client, we need to pull out the front end and the back end, right? I just pulled out the back end and gave it to them because they have their own front end, but it needs to have both, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it'll just ship like a gem. Yeah, I think it needs to it needs to just ship because I think it's too confusing right now. When you just give them a back end like that is not enough information. I I think there's a huge curve there with like, oh, just send us this blueprint. I mean, it's yeah, I I don't think it's that easy. I think people are going to want the whole thing. And the rail side is still of the one big, so made a lot of progress right before the break on getting those nested filters into the UI and into the SQL. But, and the next, the next big step is, is making these filters have to be self-contained, which we have talked about from the beginning, but sending in the tenancy is really causing problems um, when you try to get more complicated. So this tenancy thing is still an issue. And that is my next hurdle to try and sort out is how we're going to do that. And I don't think we can ship until we have that figured out. Yeah. So, so I agree with that. Sending it in is working now, but it feels like a Band-Aid and it's really become obvious with nested filters. Because if the mm-hmm. filter's not self-contained, wow. you are either sending the tenancy down from the parent filter that's instantiating the child filter, which is... Or, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's like a new problem. Um, I just, you know, I spent some time talking to Andrew about it this morning, and <clears throat> that's got to be solved. So once that's solved, I think, I feel like I said this already, but I will continue to say this. Once that's solved, I think um, that'll that'll really make a huge difference. And Question. Yeah. Um, is that tenancy thing going to be an issue for fictional client number two? Like... Is that a common? I don't is that think a common, that common thing? I mean, my I've worked on a lot of Rails apps, and it happened. I mean, yeah, it's a thing, but I don't know that sure. it's this common. I mean, the way Bullet Train and the way so in Bullet Train you can reference every single model to a team, mm-hmm. and the way the Access Tenant Gem and the Access Tenant Gem is like a big thing. A lot of Rails develop. If you want tenancy, you usually use this Access Tenants gem. Okay. It gives, I guess, a tenant ID on every single model. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that it's that com- I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that it's that common. I mean, we will run into it. I guess my question it. is, do we need to fix that before we find another oh, Rails client? Yeah, because we need to figure out this initial... This all ties into the initial query oh. problem. And so this right is the now, are you requiring that they pass in an initial query versus provide a builder that gives an initial query. Correct. Got it. So, so, but Colleen, does that just mean that initial handful of clients will have to jump through some hoops to do this initial query thing? Because it's not, 
it's not like the API that we so desire to eventually present to them. And then within a couple months, we'll be like, okay, here's the new thing. We will ha- hold your hand and update this new API with you so that it's all good. And it will be like five clients and not. Yeah, we can totally do that. And that's a way to do it. So I think the way to do it is you say, we if we ship what we have right now to Rails, first of all, has to, we have to get the Hotwire stuff pulled out. And I started that, Sean. And um, so you and I can work on the rest of that together. What we would do is we would say, you can't add a child filter because that API is not very clean and it's not done. I'm doing that for the client. But that's what Laravel is, right? You guys don't have this. Laravel doesn't have the concept of child filter, so it's fine. And then you would say, yeah, you have to send in the initial query. I mean, it's not rocket science, right? If we pull those two things out, you're right. It's not what we'd like it to be. I'd like it to be self-contained. But right now it works. Um, if they send in the initial query and if we don't allow child filters, so we would just, you know, hide that part. So, so guys, here's my pitch for you to help you feel better about the product that we have now and yourselves. (laughs) First of all, you guys are both really awesome developers, really awesome developers. And I think that is what people recognize. And I think that as an early, an early adopter of our query builder, is going to be somebody that knows a lot about us already is going to be somebody that's like, has this pain pretty deeply recognizes that. And this has been true of every customer we've had thus far, right? Recognizes that we have been thinking about this way more than anybody else and recognizes that we are very good at what we do and what we'll get it all sorted. They're going to be willing to put up with imperfect APIs, lack of documentation, et cetera, right? They're going to be willing to put up with that because they get to work with us. They get to work with you. And it is the combination of your skills and the fact that we understand their problem and the fact that we think about it more than anybody else, which makes the product awesome. It's that. It's not that it's like polished and perfect for now. That's the phase we're at. We will get out of that phase. (laughs) But first, we got to pull them in because they're going to help us so much like to shape our priorities and like figure out what we need to do. Like, and there's no possible way that we'll have something that either of you feels good about to launch it, it just won't happen and like like as a product and i think that's also incredibly normal <laughs> like it is part of the deal of like you feel like this is not good enough and you have to figure out a way to do it anyway you know like that is like such a common experience i had that experience with both of my products it got better the second one it got better you know as i started doing more things. And as I've launched products for clients, et cetera, like I've had similar, similar feels, but it gets better and better and better over time. It's just one of those things like public speaking, like, yep, it's terrifying, but you're going to do it anyway. Right. So like, that's kind of the thing. And you're the little voices in your head, try to convince you. <laughs> it's so hard that like, this is a mistake. Uh, I'm going to be embarrassed. This is going to be, I'm going to be ashamed. Like people are going to hate me, whatever the voices say it in your head. Like this is something that we have to learn to ignore because we have to get to the first phase. And the way that I did it, one thing that made me more comfortable was, okay, like for example, you had this happen with Torchlight too, Aaron, with sketching with CSS. All I did was put up the pay, like the ability to pay, like one day before I was going to do my actual launch and like somebody found it somehow and figured out how to buy it from me. And that's the thing, like the book wasn't even done. It was like, you know, two and a half chapters in an outline. And I was like, 
this is what I'm going to be doing. And somebody went through all of that trouble to buy it. Those are the people that we're going to be working with, you know? So like, that's what they want. They would really like us to have a thing that they could use already. And they don't care if it's like, and so for those people, we're going to be kicking ass and then we can like gradually increase our uh, comfort zone (laughs) to add, add more and more people. That's my pitch for you guys. I received this pitch. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I I think you're right. I think there's a... Um, <clears throat> so I think there's a, a balance, and the reason your pitch is important is because I'm on the other side. Um, I think... It's like if there's a spectrum or a pendulum, I'm very far on the side of it needs to be of the highest quality before we release. And you're trying to pull me towards the middle. Um, I think if I were on the other side of like, who cares what the quality is? Let's just ship what, let's just ship something. That would be um, your pitch wouldn't land. Does that make sense? Because I think you're trying to move me towards the middle because I'm on the right side. If I were on the left side, and I see a lot, and this is part of my, like, this is part of what has formed my opinions is I see a lot of people on the left side of this fictional spectrum saying it doesn't matter what the quality is. You just have to get something out the door. And I feel like that is a bad mental I, framework. I Does that make sense? Psychological, what I, it makes perfect sense what you're saying. So I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to say like you are on the good depending, side. Depending on where you are on the spectrum, that is, um, that affects or that informs the advice that you need to hear. Because I'm so far on one side, the advice I need to hear is you got to move towards the metal. Sure. So, okay. I, you're totally right. I think you're on the, my value judgment is that you're on the good side. Uh, just too far on the good side. The the other side, though, the pitch for them is different <laughs> than the pitch for you. It's a lot different. Yes. It's not that like you know the pitch for them is the the reason that people do that shit is because they're trying to get away with something. They're trying to like trick the world into mm-hmm. making money. They're trying to like figure out what's the cool little trick that I need to hack that I need to do in order to make more money. It's not about the customer then. They've completely left the customer out of the equation. Uh, So when you go really far to that end, it's just straight up about them and being selfish. And then again, on the other side of the spectrum, it's the same thing. I mean, it's it's, it's in that it's about you. And when you go too far, because then becomes it's about you because you're worried about what the impact is going to be on me if I release something that's, that's bad. So the middle is like the the egoless zone of like, I am thinking about my customers as deeply as I can. And the, uh, and that informs my decisions. And so part of that is when you get there, then you realize like it is actually a disservice to my customers for me to be focusing so much on making it the absolutely perfect thing, because the thing that I have now they could use now. And like, I'm depriving them of that by being worried about it. Like that's the, that's the thing. So either way. And I think that, you know, like I said, my value judgment of this side is way better. <laughs> like this is, this is less bad of a problem. This is more relatable to me. Um, but it is still a problem and it is still like forgetting about our customers. Okay. So <clears throat> practically speaking, 
With the customers that you're you're onboarding White Glove, are you charging them or are you saying, hey, if this works for you, I'm going to charge you? Because with Jesse, we were kind of like, this is what we have. If it works for you, yeah. you should pay us. If not, meh. I mean, so how do you, because I've had, you know, I do, I did have someone reach out and be like, hey, I want to use it. So what is the process there, do you think? We're charging, right? Yeah, I That's can the tell question. you what I- what are you I doing? I can tell are you, you char- what I've yeah. communicated to Neil. So we have yeah. we have two cases here. One is Keith, who paid the very first licensing fee in 2018. He paid us $500, so he's out um, because that just that's just way outside the bounds of n- normalcy. Um, so with Neil, what I told him was, you'll be paying for the license, so you'll be paying a thousand dollars a year. I am going to spend time for free helping you get it integrated, answer your questions, basically do the the white glove part of the onboarding. So for Neil, he will pay $1,000 and that's it. He's also going to get a lot of my time for free, for free. which will change <clears throat> in the future. People will pay $1,000 and then if they want to pay for my time, they're welcome to. But I basically the pitch for... Um, be a beta user is I'm going to help you a whole bunch. Exactly. For free. Yes. Right. You get the free consulting on yeah. top of you the, get us. you get us. So question. And about I, I might let, I might let him, you know, take 10 days while we're doing the integration stuff and just give him a free license or whatever. And then say, okay, well, we, we got it working. Now you can pay. But I've set the expectation be, up front that he's going to pay for the license. There should always be special customers that we have this relationship with always because then we have this like kind of safe zone of like, hey, here's this new thing. I mean, and, and it will be generated because it will be like, hey, we're launching this new feature. It's an API breaking change. Who wants to be the first to try it? Those people will be then that special class customer who is like, yep, you get all of our attention because you are helping us to figure this out. Like, and that's a win-win for everybody. Like, they like it. We get there. We get to work with them. So, Aaron, did you demo it for Neil? Like, what is your, he has reached out to you based on your tweets. Um, and is like, I want this thing. Yeah, did you do a sales process um, with him? No. Um, Neil has been publicly and privately tweeting at me for a while, just being like number one support guy. Um, just always being excited. I've, especially with the screenshot stuff um, that I've tweeted um, over the past you know, couple of years, he's always responded and said, this looks great. I want to be the first person to buy. Like, let me know what I can do. I'm happy to, you know, pay for it. So he's just always told me I'm ready to buy whenever it's ready. And so when it was time, I DM'd him said, surprise, it's ready. And then we hopped on a call and he showed me his app um, and how he thought he was going to use it. And then I showed him some of the code and like how the, you know, the, the interfaces worked and then he was like, great, let's set up a time to do it. Um, so that, that's how it worked. He was super warm in that he kept approaching me and saying, please take my money. Okay. So other practical considerations we have on the Rails side is we don't have a way to distribute it as a private package. Not that that's a Correct. deal breaker right now. I'm just trying to think if, you know, as we go forward, I mean, maybe I get, you know, like I said, touch base with Jesse, maybe get one or two more people. Um, just some things to, 
I guess you're right, Sean, though. Like, these are details that we can work out when we're white-gloving people. This stuff doesn't really matter. So, two thoughts. One is, we need to talk to Philo. Philo. Right. Um, oh. I, I don't know how you pronounce it, but um, the guy in our Slack, the, the guy that runs Unlock SH, mm-hmm. because he was investigating... Um, Ruby at some point. And I think Pete actually pointed him in a helpful direction. Um, so maybe I, and I think he's planning a product hunt launch tomorrow, actually. So now may not be the best time. Um, mm-hmm. But I can reach out to him and just tell him, Hey, it's going to be like a month. And then we're going to want to sell Ruby. Are you going to be yeah. there? Um, because man, it would be the best thing in the world to keep all of that under one roof um, because he handles payment and he handles distribution and licensing and everything. And that would be amazing. So that's number one. I'll talk to him um, and see if he thinks he'll be ready. Um, Okay. Number two on practical considerations for Ruby is, and I'm about to blow your mind. The Laravel version now can accept a query from the outside world. So, um, the initial query can come from outside in the Laravel version. Yeah. Dude, I would I throw something at you if I had I know. something I'm to throw I'm glad anywhere. I'm safely on the other side of a screen <laughs> 3,000 miles away. At you. <laughs> so listen. Oh my gosh. Listen, before Aaron. you freak out, listen. <laughs> <laughs> there is, um, in Nova, there is no way. So the query is generated by Nova and then given to you as the developer to do whatever you want with it, Mm -hmm. but you can't replace it. And so no matter what I did, I couldn't, um, I couldn't use our initial query. I had to receive the initial query that Nova had generated before I had control of the world, if that makes sense. So it runs through Nova's middlewares and then they hand it to you and you hand it back. Um, okay. So practical consideration for Ruby, I use the passed in initial query if it exists. And if not, I use the one defined in the filter. Um, so That's what we have right now in Ruby. So there you go. You can just basically not tell other people that they need to pass the initial query in um, yeah. and nobody will be any the wiser. So, oh, and third or 2B, because I said two things, 2B is um, I feel great about shipping Laravel right now. Like I have reached, I have reached the point where I think this is ready to go. So it may appear um, asymptotal, asymptotic. It may appear like an asymptote. Like I'll never reach the point where I'm ready, but I'm, I'm totally ready. And I think this is, I think we're in a very good spot and I feel comfortable launching it. So the argument could be made, you know, we should have been there six months ago, but regardless, I feel great about it. I think we're totally ready and I don't think we should and we're not delay any further. So it does happen. I I do get there eventually. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I think for Ruby, the steps are, I think Sean, you and I should try and put view together with rails Mm -hmm. and get that working like over the next, I mean, I don't know. I can't do it this week, but like over the next month or so, we'll just schedule some time. I think we should do view with rails and then pull out all of the, front end stuff that we're using with client um, and get that working, package it as a gem. And then as, as I said, for now, we'll just send in, have them send an initial query. If they have that tenancy issue, which honestly, 
some people don't. I mean, again, is like this isn't even an issue for everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So if anybody reaches out to you, or if they have reached out to you, now would be the time to start like okay. lining them up I'll for do integration. It. On it. Um, and put it on the calendar. Put it on the calendar. Yeah, when we're going to integrate with them. Because if it's oh, yeah. if it's possible, right? Collect yeah. the money, put it on the calendar. It gives us a constraint yep. of time, which is very helpful. Yep. Yep, I think so. That sounds good. Okay. Sean's excited for customers. I'm excited for that yeah. sweet, sweet license money, baby. <laughs> Well, I'm excited for that We're all going to retire. <laughs> Dude, Aaron, let me tell you the story. So I was, Sean was here, what, three weeks ago? And we're having lunch or breakfast. And I'm telling him about these, some of these big life decisions my family has to make. Mm-hmm. And he looks me dead in the eye and he's like, man, your life would be easier if you were rich. <laughs> yes, Sean. Yes, it would. <laughs> it was awesome. It was a moment. <laughs> I don't even need to know what the decisions were. Of course it would be. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it would. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. I don't even remember saying that. Oh, I remember. That sounds right. It sounds right, though. (laughs) Who has something else? Yeah, marketing. So I started working on... First step with the marketing is we got to have ourselves set up so that way we can get the so we can write our own landing pages do our update our okay wait step back first step i did was i got with buckby and talked about seo so the what what i did with him is we looked at all my sites all my content on my planning for aliens business side and figured out what of those things was valuable to us and came up with a plan for like a structure for how to structure the new hammerstone.dev site and how to, um, you know, strategy for moving that over. So phase one of the new marketing site will be um, the updating it to the new system, which I'll come back to and like how we're, how we're doing that. And then getting all of the SEO like juice from my site's pointing over to there. And then also I'm going to see what I could do with my mailing list. I mean, it's cold, it's dead, but there's 20,000 people on there and surely some of them remember me and might care about this. So I'll see what I could do there. Um, the, so that's, that's that. So phase one will be the new site. It will not be like designed yet. It will be just something, but it will have all of the SEO stuff over and it will be using the new, system and all of this will be done before Aaron goes on Laracon and does his presentation is the timeline. So then phase two will be uh, an actual like landing page for um, specifically I'm going to focus on refine. So we'll have a good product landing page for that. And then I'll probably get with Buckby again and sort out like kind of, you know, best guess at like a flow that we should have. So, you know, what, what should be on the homepage, how that should go from there. I'll probably work with everybody in BBiz like I usually do on that stuff. Um, and we'll have that. So that'll be phase two. We'll be like, uh, it'll be nicely illustrated and designed and look good and be like a, and be like actually effective marketing copy and, and try to do some two is jobs for us. Laracon, right? No, no, no. Before phase, phase two is also pre Laracon. Okay. Yeah. Which is February 9th for those that yep. don't remember. 
So, so that's phase two. Um, I just wanted to let you know that it's going to be broken into two phases because there's going to be a phase where it's going to look not great, but it's going to be a website that has all the SEO stuff happening. Great. And will that, um, I guess, will that include docs for our current packages? Because I Correct. think that'll be important. Okay. So then, all right. So the new system. So my pipe dream for marketing platform has always been like, I just want to write a markdown document and put it in the folder that I would like it to be and then have it show up like on the website, nicely formatted and boom, I'm done. And like, I can just use GitHub to be like, get commit push. And then it's there. So we're going to have that. I got that. I'm like mm, halfway to getting that set up. So I'm doing it on my site first. Um, what are you using just, for that? I am using that thing we talked about before called remix. Okay. So basically the way it's going to work is um, you write, it work exactly like I said, you write a markdown file, you put it in the folder where you want it to show up and then you get commit and you push it and it shows, and it shows up. And the way that all works is um, it will be completely deployed on the edge. There will be no servers. The remix app runs completely on its own on the edge. The data will be stored in Cloudflare's key value store. So when you push to GitHub, if it's only a content change, it will just run a GitHub action, generate the content from the markdown, and then um, put it in the key value stores, and then the Remix app will just load it from the, the updated values. It's basically actually how the Remix document documentation site works right now. Then as far as our docs go, there's the extra step is it's got to go through Torchlight, but that's like a separate like server-side call, so that should work fine. Question, um, for the markdown, put it in a folder and it shows up. What kind of content is that for? Cause like, I'm thinking landing pages that won't work cause they need to be, Correct. you know, super nice and designed and whatever. Is that specifically for the docs or are we having some other kind of content in the middle there? Yeah, that's for docs. That's for how to's that's for think pieces. That's for cheat sheets. That's for, gotcha. for that kind of stuff. But we cool. also have the ability to override that completely and do something in, the remix app itself. So it's JSX and then you can do whatever the hell you want. Like it just, you know. So are you taking the docs Aaron has already written? Are those in Markdown, Aaron? They are. Okay. It should just work. Okay. So I can write all the Ruby docs in Markdown is what you're telling yep. me. Yep. Rock yeah. And use Torchlight or whatever Torchlight needs in order to know what code syntax highlighting is. Perfect. That's good news. Cool. That's exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's going to be done yeah. in a month. What? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm thinking. Rock on. It works yeah, for me. I'm mostly I'm mostly there. I mean, I got the plan, and I'm mostly there with the uh, with the remix um, implementation for my site. I'm doing it on my site first, so that way, if it's crappy, I could do kind of like a crappy version on learn on my site, and then do it for us. So like ours is going to be different because like on mine, I'm just going to have like one folder for content slash blog, and only have posts in there. Versus I want to do like a little bit extra fancy stuff and have like slash there's going to, we're going to have like slash blog slash doc slash we'll probably won't have slash blog. We'll have like how to's or whatever. This is that SEO conversation with Buckby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then we'll have um, the ability to have like nested folders and stuff like that, which is not too much more work, but that's just like some tweaks on the, the code that I'm writing f- for the slightly simpler version on my blog. But yeah, as per usual, the th- the hard thing is not the code. It's figuring out all the integration stuff with like Cloudflare and the key value store and like mm-hmm. get it set up so it works in development and then get it set up so it works with Git actions and all that crap. Yep. 
Yeah, pay close attention while you're setting it up locally because I've never used Remix or anything like it. Oh, I'm going to write some content about it. I've been taking notes. So that'll be... Okay. Because I think that's also good content to write too because they've got a lot of momentum right now. They do. So if I can do something something cool with Remix, then... uh, Or even just a basic how-to at this point for Remix would not be useless. And then whenever I... Whenever you're done with that and I figure out the Torchlight integration, that's even more content for for the site as well. The Torchlight integration for this? Yeah. I don't think you will have to... I got to well, hook in it... somewhere to the Markdown processor somewhere. Um, so it's just an API call, right? Like I just mm-hmm. make a get and then send it our doc and then you give me back the annotated doc? Yeah. But I'll need to hook into your Markdown pipeline at some point to grab the blocks and everything. It sounds um, like it'll just be like one code, one line of code, because it'll be... Um, that would be amazing. Because uh, all I'm doing is like just going through... Because oh, the way it'll work is I'm going to get the GitHub tarball from mm. Git and then, you know, expand it, go through the files, and then for each file, run it through the markdown processor, and then we just add one more step if it's docs, send it through Torchlight. Cool. Yep, that'll be great. All right, that's it. That's the marketing update. Nice. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, update on my side, besides the stuff I already talked about, um, the, so Laracon is February 9th, as we've, as we've said. Um, I recently, so what I'm presenting on there is Sidecar, which is the uh, Lambda wrapper, basically. So it lets you execute Lambdas from your Laravel app. Um, I did some work on it this past weekend, right before I came back to real work. Um, there were a couple open issues that I finally had a chance to look at, fix some of them. In the process, I saw an issue from somebody that was like, hey, it, would it be possible to um, run PHP in Lambda? And it's possible, but there's no native Lambda runtime for PHP. Um, so you can't just like pass in the string that says, you know, PHP 8.1 cause Lambda says, I don't know what that is. Whereas with node, you can say, I want node 14 and they say, got it. So Sunday night I stayed up way too late. I was, and, you know, it was basically like holiday revenge. Like, I don't want to go back to work. It's still the holidays. So I stayed up till, you know, 1230 or one on Sunday night and figured out how to, run PHP on Lambda um, while also not having to maintain a PHP runtime. Um, So, and then this is the thing that I tweeted about earlier. I think it was yesterday or the day before. um, And I posted it in our, you know, tiny wins channel because it's gotten like 230 likes and, you know, a couple dozen retweets. And the thing that I figured out and this is going to be great because I'm going to present this at Laracon um, and it's going to blow people's minds. But the thing that I figured out is I can use Laravel Vapor, which is Laravel's serverless platform. I can use Laravel Vapor's um, PHP runtimes because they're publicly available layers. So I can use their PHP runtimes and then I can ship, um, I can ship a closure 
to Lambda, run it on Lambda and get the result back all from my local machine. So it's wacky. It's totally out there and it's incredibly cool. And so I don't really know what people will use it for. I mean, this person who asked for it on, on the repo obviously has some ideas. Um, but this morning I actually got it to where I can ship my whole Laravel app to Lambda and run a command on Lambda within my app scope from my local machine. So we're getting to the point where I'm going to create a black hole at some point because it's just like total inception. But <laughs> now what what that means is you can, from your, let's say from your production web server, from your local machine or whatever, you can spin up a hundred or a thousand copies of your app on Lambda and run a hundred or a thousand commands all in parallel and then get the results back to your, you know, your main web server or whatever. So if you had something that you needed to do in, in with high parallelization, you could just send it to Lambda, let Lambda run it all and get all the results back. And so I'm kind of pushing the limits of what is like theoretically possible here, but it's amazing. And I think this is going to go really well at Laracon if the Twitter response is any, any indication. So feeling kind of pumped because I didn't really know what I was going to totally present at Laracon. Um, I have, you know, stuff to talk about with sidecar, but this is going to be the, this is going to be the one more thing um, in the Steve jobs style. That's going to blow people's minds. So we'll see, but pretty excited about that. (laughs) That's going to be fun, man. Can't wait to see the response to that. I know. I don't know what people, I really don't know what people are going to do with it. Um, But people are saying they've got ideas for it. It's kind of weird to be like, I'm building this thing. I don't really know why it's going to be useful, but I think it will be. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll see. Right, dudes, can we wrap? Yeah. We're going to have our conversation after this and then I got work to do. Okay. Okay.